welcome to Tales of the Resistance, a podcast about antimicrobial resistance. On today's show, we're joined by a rotating lineup of members of the I Am Responsible Project, a nationwide team of educators and researchers working on solutions to AMR. I'm Amber, one of the hosts, and I'm joined today by the wonderful Mara. Hey, guys. And the fantastic Beth. Hello, everyone. Today, we'll be discussing articles that we've read recently about antimicrobial resistance in contemporary culture. So this article is titled, Antibiotic-Resistant Bacteria Contaminates an Entire Hospital ICU. So an ICU in Hangzhou, China, was contaminated with carbapenem-resistant Acentobacter bomini, which I will refer to as CRAB, and is referred to as CRAB. It infected one in three patients and made its way into the ICU through multiple patient admissions and continued to spread through airflow, staff, shared equipment, and plumbing. For those of you that don't know, CRAB poses a serious risk to hospitalized patients and can cause severe disease, including pneumonia, urinary tract infection, bacteriorema, meningitis, and soft tissue infections. And they could all be very difficult to treat due to multidrug resistance. I thought it was very interesting because this isn't just a China problem, this is an everywhere problem. And it's kind of, well, frankly, it's terrifying to think that you could be in ICU, you're already in a very vulnerable state, and something like this could happen. So I'm interested in what your thoughts are. I almost think we're sharing a brain here, Amber, because the first two things that I wrote down having read the article were listeners who are, are frequent listeners of this podcast, and I know there are fairly small few of you. <laughs> but uh, we'll remember last year we did a podcast series on a book that was talking about the history of responses to disease. And one of the topics we talked about was the it happens over there but not here mentality that we have sometimes in the in the West and how articles like this and, and especially in the pre-COVID era where you would see some kind of health situation going on in maybe a more densely populated country like China or a poor country like something in Africa. And you would maybe feel some empathy for them, but not necessarily to understand that the disease potential could impact you. Or at least people don't seem to live as though it could. Then, of course, we had the experience of COVID where we have a worldwide pandemic. And so I hope that some of that thinking has been challenged and is going away. And we can read an article like this about a very serious antimicrobial resistant outbreak that has been identified in China and understand that something like that is certainly possible to happen here. In fact, it may already be happening here. I mean, this type of bacteria is common. Well, common being a relative term, I, I looked up from the CDC website to find out how many cases we might be getting of this in the United States. So they said that this particular type of resistance in this bacteria, so the crab strain, was estimated at 8,500 infections in hospitalized patients in um, the last year with data, so 2017, and 700 estimated deaths. So we, we do have a, a fair amount of cases of this, and it is a, a species of concern in the United States, though the level of contamination, as was described in this article, may not be here, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't be in the future. We've talked about 
some of the reasons that there's higher rates of resistance outside of say Europe and the United States now, like we're seeing an increase faster, but that doesn't mean that that's always going to be the case. So yeah, it's definitely something that we have to think about. And, and I want to pick up on, on what you were talking about in terms of the vulnerability of hospitals as well, but I don't want to go on too long myself. So uh, well, go ahead and jump in here. I would agree, Mara, on that feeling of it's over there, it's not here, but it is here. Maybe not to that extreme, but we know that ICUs are a place where it is dangerous, right? You know, you can go to the hospital wherever you're at and you could pick up, a, you have probably more likely to pick up antimicrobial resistant uh, drug infection there. A lot of times you're probably more likely to pick up a multiple drug resistant infection there. I remember reading during when we had COVID that there were assigned personnel in hospitals in the U.S. to monitor the antimicrobial resistant uh, threat in hospitals. And um, because of the pandemic, the size of the patient loads and, you know, they just needed more people, they were getting pulled from their usual job of monitoring antimicrobial resistance um, into helping with COVID. So that was one of the reasons I remember I was reading some articles about how COVID had affected antimicrobial resistance, how it set the fight for antimicrobial resistance on the back foot. And that was because one of these, this is one of the reasons was because they didn't have people monitoring as much. So, well, it's just illustrating how we're all struggling with this. It's and the, the reasons may be different, but the threat of antimicrobial resistance is as real. In um, So one of the people quoted in the uh, article was practicing at the University of Birmingham Medical Center. So they were talking about the seriousness of this type of disease for hospitalized patients. So the threat is, is in existence all over the world. Um, and this article really just illustrates that. Mm-hmm. One thing I did find interesting in the article, when it was talking about how to prevent such outbreaks in the hospital, it would require, uh, I'll just quote it from the article, such outbreaks require widespread change on an infrastructural level that can be detrimental to clinical care, logistical functions, and financial planning. And I found that interesting because it's, you don't always think about the hospital's perspective on this. You may think, well, why don't they just do better. But then what would that look like? It's more than just monitoring, though I think that monitoring is a good first step, is to have people monitoring monitoring the um, current level of antimicrobial resistant infections in the hospital. That's a very good start. To go further than that, though, is where it starts getting expensive. I mean, to be able to really separate people, that's a lot of distance between beds. That would be increase of staff so that there's not as much spread so that people are only treating, you know, maybe this certain amount of patients and this certain amount of patients and not any crossover or, you know, whatever it would take would be something that's going to cost more and maybe require new uh, building plans for hospitals. It's just going to be something that would be more. Right. Not to mention the cost of educating staff on prevention. Very true. That's true. Right. I think that these are are lists that really illustrate how multifaceted this problem is. It's 
just within the hospital infrastructure itself, it's really an all hands on deck required to address uh, outbreaks like this. So you have that infrastructural element. There has to be the financial element to support the changes. There is the on the ground staff. There are the the monitoring part in order to inform protocols for housing and bedding people who are who are positive for resistant infections. And all of those things, once you once you're going to utilize all of those recommendations that they put in this article, based on this one outbreak in China, um, you're involving a lot of professions outside medical, even if they're all working in in a hospital, if you know what I mean. It's so it is antimicrobial resistance is a all hands on deck approach, even in just hospitals. And then if you think about it uh, for the society writ large, it's it's even more so. And this just kind of illustrates it. There's not there is no silver bullet to this kind of problem. So it's a little bit from everyone. And then I I do want to come back to what you were saying, Amber, earlier about the unique situation and vulnerability of hospitalized patients. I I think that we probably haven't discussed this enough on our podcast thus far, but antimicrobial resistance is something that is to this point and probably will continue to be so of most concern for people who are already sick with something else, right? Because a lot of these, a lot of pathogens, microbial pathogens, um, we have innate abilities to fight off pathogenic disease um, with our immune system. And so it's when you're already sick or um, where you have immunocompromised and because of some other treatment that you're undergoing that you are most at risk. And so when you have diseases like this one that are most currently found and spread in hospitals where you have such a a concentration of vulnerable people, you can have, it can be extremely, extremely deadly. We've talked about how the onset of antimicrobial resistance will impact modern medicine in terms of routine surgeries or the return of dangerous sepsis from random cuts and scrapes. But the other thing in terms of modern medicine, we do require things like hospitals. We don't do house calls so much because our our the way that we practice medicine is highly technical, and it's um, it requires specialized machines and a concentration of specialized expertise, and so it's just not logistically feasible to move those things out into the community. They require some kind of infrastructural headquarters, and that antimicrobial resistance is threatening that infrastructure as well because it is a place where a lot of vulnerable people can then be exposed to these resistance pathogens. It's just one more reason that we we really need to address this, this problem. Yeah, I would totally agree with what you said. One thing I found, I don't know if encouraging is really quite the right word, but that the measures that they recommend are not far away or different from what we also recommend in combating AMR. And so there is some consistency in in what is being prescribed as 
a measure to combat AMR. So it's, it's, it's a lot of the same actions and they're not incredibly complicated. Minimal relocation between beds, they each offer their own complications, but like deep and regular cleaning of surfaces. I mean, we've, we've been talking about that in our own campaigns and enhanced hand washing protocols is something else we've been talking about. So I'm glad that we're on the same page and that those messages are being spread far and wide. I think it's helpful to be consistent in the messaging. So I don't know, like I said, I don't know that it's encouraging, but it's at least refreshing, I guess. Like it's, it's, it's helpful to see the same thing being said. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, Amber, that the solutions that they have aren't, um, it's kind of like there's a twofold solution. So they have the long-term infrastructural type change that will take more more financial uh, support and things like that. But one shouldn't give up and think that, well, we're never going to get these huge changes because like you said, they had a list of very simple things that you can also do more than just getting a personnel in there uh, monitoring antibiotic resistant infections. Because you can do things, yeah, like better hygiene, simple infection prevention type of things. It's it's not um, something that's impossible. There's solutions that are like on the ground. We can implement these easily, relatively easily that we can do right now. It's not going to be something you should just throw in the towel over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. And affirmation, like you said, Amber, that actually I would rather say um, we do some studying of effective communication. Listeners can be the judge of how good we are at actually practicing it. But um, I we have done some studying of it and, you know, the importance of, of hearing the same message multiple times and from multiple sources that you you trust is important. And so what you said, Amber, about making sure that the recommendations are consistent for how to address AMR, um, no matter what the the venue is going to be important for making sure that we actually see people utilize that advice. So yeah, it's, this is another reason that we read these articles. We're not working in a hospital, but we want to make sure that if we're talking about antimicrobial resistance in a hospital setting, or we're talking about how to address antimicrobial resistance in the home, that we're recommending the same thing that experts or or people working in that space would do. So yeah, consistency is important in communicating about science as well another lesson we're learning. Well, thanks folks for joining me. I found this article very interesting and I've learned quite a bit and I really appreciate my co-hosts insights as well. Please join us next time as we discuss another article on antimicrobial resistance. 